I am so blessed to be the pastor of a weird church because I don't know, maybe I track that kind of people because I'm weird, right, Terry? <laughs> you wouldn't lie, you wouldn't fit here if you weren't weird. And that, but that's cool because there's so many people in this world trying to conform from the outside in. So many people are trying to, you know, they're trying to like hide undercover right now uh, because of the cancel culture, because of, because man, it's just a crazy time. I don't really want anybody to see me. I want to go through life unnoticed. And many people go to church that way. How many of y'all know that this is not the place to hide, right? It's not the place to hide, is it, Carolee? And now they made you guys sit up front today. You teach you to get here late. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because y'all are up there, right? Johnny and them are usually right back up. You're in their seat. Not really, but it's all good. You'll get there earlier next time. But yeah, this is not the church to hide. And I am so grateful for that because that's not what we're called to do is come and hide. We are called to shine as lights and you can't hide a light on a hill, man. It's there. You try to hide and you look like a hypocrite. Because we are called to shine and God's given us that ability and, and, and he's called us to unity. But I want you to know, according to the scripture, Devin, good to see you, man. You made it back on your sailboat. I was praying for you, brother. All the way from Stewart. Never some rough seas, right? All right, man. No, and I thought maybe God would rush you aground right here. Wouldn't that be a cool story, man? And your boat crashes here and you come up. No, not so much. It would have been a cool God story if it happened right here. But anyway. Man, in this, we're supposed to be unified, but we're not supposed to be uniform. You understand there's a difference? Sometimes the, way, the only way the world can have unity is if they agree on a set of rules and, and they have a little club or they have a group and the, and the whole group has to be in unity because they all have to believe the same. They have to act the same way. They have to dress the same way. They all have to do things the same way, eat the same food, whatever, live in the same kind of house, same kind of whatever. The, the world, kind of what they do for unity is they compromise everything. So here it is. How many of y'all know you're different than the person next to you? Oh, if you're married, dude. Oh, look, you guys, how long y'all been married, Nate and Emily? How long? Just a few months, man, right? And, and as soon as I said, how many of y'all know you're sitting next to somebody different? Emily's like, oh, and it only took a couple of months, right? Is he radi He's radically different than you. And he's like, yeah, I just know to be quiet right now. And that smart man, all right? But... But in this, man, you, you know you're different, but the world, for unity's sake, is, wants you to throw off all of your differences and wants you to conform to, uh, from the outside in. In fact, the world's trying to get you to conform. That's what the goal is, is to get you all into, conform, into conformity so that they can control you because they can't control a bunch of rebels like Barb and Janet, right? And you just choked on your coffee, didn't you? Yeah. They're not controlling me. I've seen your Facebook posts, all right? But, but so, so what I'm saying, man, is, is, is the world keeps trying to make us change from the outside in, and Christ wants to change us from the in, inside out. It's called transformation. It's, a, it, it's metamorphosis. It's what bullfrogs do and butterflies do. Somebody should write a kid's song about that. Anybody know one? Bullfrogs? But anyways, but, but literally... That's what the world wants to get everyone to do is conform. And Jesus wants us to transform. He wants you to be weird. Who, dude, who else is going to reach people like you? If you're, let me ask you a question. I, I brought this up last week and I'm going to end with this today. If you saw the outline on Facebook or wherever, but if you're not being you, who are you being? Uh, someone else, right? Are you going to be as good at being someone else as you are at being you? And if you're not being you, do you think anybody else really wants to be you? And if you're not being you, who's being you? Nobody, right? And if you weren't necessary, would God have created you? No. So you're ripping the world off if you're not being you. You got to be a spirit-filled you, not another person. And, and so we are all missionaries. We are all Christians that are here to spread the light. We are all not cruise ships like we talked the last few weeks, but we are rescue ships. And God has each of us in our own little place, in our own little circle of him. Carol Ann over here. I know I'm the only one beside your mom that calls you Carol Ann. I want you to look at that stellar tan. You know how she got that stellar tan? It's not from a tanning booth. It is from doing ministry. And where is your ministry field? The pool. Yes. 
dude, I mean, that's not a bad gig, especially when you go back up to Michigan and they're like, well, what'd you do? I did ministry all week. I am a missionary. Oh, wow. Where'd you go? The pool. But how does anybody else go in the pool? Not go in the pool. I mean, is anybody else? Everybody goes in the pool, but I'm just saying, does anybody use the pool? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you have to make special events? You have to make special events that say, hey, special Marco Polo. We're all playing. You play Marco Polo? Marco Polo. <laughs> yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Everybody cheats on all those games anyways. They always look, right? How many of y'all ever cheated at Marco Polo? All right. Thank you. Just admitted that before God. Don't play Marco Polo with them. But, but look. She goes in the pool, and that's her mission field. Where's your mission field? Where are you helping people see life from God's perspective? And you know what? They want, God has created you unique. God has given you a special, unique, spiritual gift, as we're going to see today. And, and, and he's given you a heartbeat for what you love to do. He's given you an ability to actually do it. He's given you a personality to be able to, and you have unique experiences that nobody else has ever had that are equipment for you to be able to do what God's called you to do. How many of you would say, I have some unique experiences? Yeah, every one of you. And instead of seeing them as life, you know, giving you a, a bad, you know, gig or man, boy, if I had a hard time, instead, you need to look at, that's God's special equipping for you. He's equipping you for the ministry he's calling you to do. And every day he's preparing you for the next thing, but you got to know for whatever you're in right now, you've been prepared your whole life for it. And you're like, oh, that's why I sat so long in school, so I could sit through this. No, but, but literally, you're prepared your whole life for it. And so again, glory in your uniqueness. Quit trying to conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in the word of God. Let God make you a spirit-filled you. And uh, JJ, oh, there we are. So everybody look at this, man. Unity is not, one more time, unity is not, exactly. Unity is not uniformity. The world would love to dress us up in uniforms and make us all one. So we, y'all seen 1984, right? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if they can conform us and box us, they can control us, but they can't control a bunch of spirit-filled rebels, can they? No. Worst they can do is kill us. And to be absent from the body, bro, where am I going to be, man? I'm going to be present with the Lord. And ain't nobody be present with the Lord and say, man, I want to come back. I'm just telling you. I ain't got a death wish or anything. I just know this is not my home. Amen? So unity is not uniformity. God did not make you like anyone else. How many of y'all know you are married to somebody that is not like anyone else? You know that? Yeah. Thank you for having the guts to raise. He's an old man. Either he ain't real smart or they got a good relationship because there are a bunch of younger men that I ain't saying nothing about that. Yeah. Jar. Glory in that. So look at this. Christ has given each of us a very unique gift. Your gift is not like anybody else's gift. I went through the whole church growth movement where, yeah, here's the three lists of Paul's gifts, and, and, and these are this and this, and, and let's take tests. How many of y'all ever took a special a spiritual gifts test? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's bad. But we, what we almost did with that was like what the Corinthians did. We took a test like, oh, uh, uh, you know, I'm an exhorter, or I'm a pastor teacher, or, or, or I'm an otter. If <laughs> you remember those tests, I'm an otter. And, uh, and what were the other ones? I don't even remember, but you know them all. Yeah, there's otters and what? Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. But anyways, yeah. So well, we treated them like toys and not tools, which is what we're going to learn. These are tools God has given us to be able to be soldiers in the, in the kingdom, to be able to be ministers in the kingdom, to be that light in the kingdom, to shine in this world of darkness. He has given each of us a very unique gift. I don't think any of those lists are, are, are all inclusive where you're like, how many of y'all had a hard time finding yourself on it? And when you took the test, how many of you had a hard time finding what you were? Did anybody like take the test and find they were something different each time they took it? Or like, oh yeah, hey, so I'm more, yeah, again, I'm not poo-pooing the test. I think I start somewhere and you start figuring out what is God equipping me with? What, what do you, why do you want to know? Why do you want to know what your gift is? 
That's the important thing. I want to know what my gift is so that I can be who God created me to be. Man, when people come to me and say, dude, you're weird. Praise God. (laughs) Thank you, man. There ain't nobody else like you, man. I'm like, amen. I'm glad I'm developing that, you know, I'm working on it. And I hope you are too. Christ has given each of us a very unique gift. So yes, I'm going to go through the first part of Ephesians. No, I'm not going to preach through everything I preached through in the first two weeks. Terry, I promise I'm not. All right. And uh, in here, because I got some good stuff to get to. So at the very beginning of Ephesians chapter four, again, the first three chapters, what Paul does is he says, this is the wealth you have in Christ. Now, here's the walk that I want you to have with it. Every one of his epistles, he says, here's what you have. Here's what I want you to do with it. Because it's like a giant stick of deodorant, right? Terry? You had a giant 55-gallon drum of deodorant. It don't do you no good unless you do what with it? Yeah, dude, put it under your arm, man. Yeah, you ain't going to lift a 55-gallon drum. You got to like kind of go that way. But, but you know, I'm just saying, yeah, you got to apply it. And that's why every one of Paul's epistles are, look, here's what you got. And everybody wants, oh, look what I got. And it's like, what are you going to do with it? That's where we get in chapter 4. So he says, I, therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to, what's the next word? Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. All I'm going to say about this, you know it scales. However much the calling to heaven and perfection is worth to you on one side of the scale is how much you on this planet are going to put into it to balance it out. How much is your calling as a child of God and your your all-expense-paid trip to paradise worth to you? Whatever it's worth to you, you're balancing it, you're putting however much you have on the other side of the scale to say, God, it's worth this much. You can never equal it out, but how much of your life is, is towards your calling and how much is towards just everything else. So he said, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And that's to be in heaven with him forever. And he's got a purpose for you right here. With all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Those are the fruit of the spirit he mentions later. And in other books, and and again, humility is simply this. It's nothing more, nothing less than just giving it all to God, saying, whatever you want to do, here I am, here it is. I am nothing compared to an infinite and uh, omnipresent man, God, that knows everything, that's been every, that can do, that is everywhere and can do anything. I'm nothing compared to you. Here's my life. It's yours. So he says, because of that, he says, man, We should be eager to maintain. That's a daily process, a moment-by-moment process maintenance is. Hey, you got that baby asleep right now, right? What are you doing to maintain that sleep of that baby? Yeah, and soon if I came over there and started shaking you, you would be like kicking me like, stop, I'm maintaining. Yeah, you're trying not to move. There's maintenance and everything. He said, man, what we're supposed to be maintaining is unity, but not at the sake of truth. That's what the world's trying to get us to do. Blow off your truth. Get rid of Christ. Ecumenicism. You know, let's get rid of all our differences. Hey, your definition of marriage is too, is too tight. Your definition of family is too tight. Your definition of Christianity is too, it's too tight. Let's open it up and everything goes. If everything goes, nothing goes. And I'm going to tell you this, that the minute that you come off of God's principle, God has set a standard for everything. The minute you say God's standard is not the standard, you, my friend, better be ready to accept everybody else's standard. You come off of what God says is the standard for marriage and say, oh, well, I think this, then you better be ready to accept what everyone else wants to accept because your opinion is just as good as theirs. Oh, I think it's okay to marry four-year-olds. <laughs> What? That's appalling. Well, you know what? Not if you think it's okay for homosexuals to be married. Not if you think it's okay. And and again, you come off of God's standard, you better be able to accept everybody else's standard because the only right standard is God's standard. And how many of y'all know that you have a different standard than other people? How many of y'all know there's a line like, oh, dude, no, you cannot marry your dog? How many many of y'all think bestiality is wrong? Let me throw, throw your hand up. Anybody? And if you have kids in here, you can explain that to them later. But I'm just saying, you guys, you guys, don't, you guys think that's wrong, but how many of y'all think pedophilia is wrong? Yeah, but you know, as soon as they redefine marriage, when Obama redefined marriage, and I'm not getting political, I'm just saying who did it, 
when they tried to redefine God's definition of marriage, all of a sudden people who wanted to have sex with kids and wanted to have sex with animals and all this other stuff were coming, oh, we can marry whoever and do whatever. When you come off of God's standard, you better be ready to accept everybody's standard because you guys are all equal. As of, None of you are any smarter than the other. You think you are, but there's God who's up here. And all of us are down here, so all their standards are just as valuable as yours. So how many of y'all want to just stick with God's standard? Anybody want to just stick with his? Yes. And if you're a believer, that's what he's put in your heart. That's what we fight for. That's how we are eager to maintain the unity, not in spite of the truth. Look what he says. Eager to maintain the unity of the what? The spirit. You think God's Holy Spirit is into bestiality? No, do you think he's into pedophilia? No, do you think he's into these things that the Bible speaks directly against? No. So you want to maintain unity of the spirit. Whose standards do you need to be upholding? God's standards. And that's how we have the bond of peace. Because do we have peace in the society right now? No. Because even right now in here, there's some people, oh, you know what? I, I don't know. I'm, you know. I know people like, I know... I'm not saying that they're bad people. I'm saying every single one of us has sin. Who in here doesn't have a sin? Raise your hand. And then all of a sudden you got, you just put your hand down just so it wasn't even mistaken for being raised, right? You're like, oh, heck no, I got sin. No, we all have sin. We come to church, we read God's word, we spend time with God because we want him to reveal to us because sin kills the wages of sin is death. And when we have sin revealed in our life, we don't want that part of us to die. And God doesn't want that part of you to die. God wants us. He loves us too much to leave us the way we are. So he reveals sin to us so that we can change. Not so that we can start a whole nother church that is against everything except this particular sin. Hey, let's start a church for mass, mass murderers. Hey, we got everything else good except mass murder. We're all mass murderers. Let's go to that church. Hey, oh, wait, wait. We're all thieves. All right. We're all liars. <laughs> We're all liars. Let's start a church for liars. All right. How many of y'all are into that? But yet society starts saying good and bad about different stuff. Like, yeah, well, let's start a, you know. No. Again, we have God's standard. There's one standard. That's what we see. One God, one everything. We're going to get to this. I promise but we got to stay to God's standard. And this is going to come up later. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. So whatever the Holy Spirit of God is into, that's what we need to be into to maintain the bond of what? Peace. If you got a different standard, guess what you're not going to have? What's that last word again? So if you have a different standard, what are you going to be missing? Peace. How many standards does this world have? And what does this world not have that it wants more than anything? And what is the world going to try to eliminate everybody's differences to bring us all together and have us compromise? You know what? I heard somebody say about compromise one time. Whenever you compromise, you have a less than stellar result. <laughs> how many of y'all ever compromise? Like, how many of y'all going to compromise at dinner, to, at lunch? Where do you want to go? All right, all right here's compromise. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Anybody identifying with me so far? Where do you want to go? Oh, I don't know. How about here? I'll go anywhere. I don't care. Well, how about here? No, heck no, not that place. And like, <laughs> where do you want to go? Ah, oh, that doesn't really matter to me. Well, how about here? No, we ain't going there. Okay, well, let's go to one of the unmentioned places. And, and, and who's satisfied when neither, neither gets to go to the place they want to go? satisfied with a compromise. That's why what he's talking about to maintain the unity of the spirit. If we have the Holy Spirit of God working in us there, he will be teaching us his principles. We get there different ways because we're unique people, but we have the same desire for the same general thing. It's been even specific in a specific situation. And we have a bond of peace because, wow, cool. Yeah, dude, Sonny's barbecue chicken, all you can eat, $9.99 on Sunday. Yeah! <laughs> Anybody with me on that? No. <laughs> Ash is going, oh, no, no, dude, man. All you can eat, beans, man. Fries, coleslaw. Still not into it? Chicken. All, and anyways, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We got to do what God wants. 
There is how many? One body, one spirit, just as you were called, and the one hope that belongs to your call. And your call is that you're a child of God and you're going to live with him forever in heaven. That's the call. And in the meantime, you're growing more in love with him so you can grow more in love with others. Look at this. One Lord. He said there's one, one spirit. Now he says one Lord, one boss. That's Jesus. One faith, one baptism. So how many ways are there to God? One. Be careful this world is trying to strip the one way because it's too exclusive. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to me except through who? No one comes to God except through Christ. One faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. So is anybody going to get in the way of God's plan? No. His plan is his plan. It's going to happen. How many of y'all are on his plan? Yeah. And, and don't get suckered off his plan, even in a little play. We spend our life getting more and more into his plan because his plan is the one in the end that is all going to work. Man, you guys want to be encouraged? Go read the last two chapters of the Bible. Oh my God. How many of y'all ever read the last two chapters? How many of y'all would say, it's been a little bit since I read the last two chapters? Dude, go home. While you're waiting on your food and you're complaining how long the service takes today, break out your little Bible on your phone and read the last two chapters. Not right now, not yet. <laughs> but after church, man, go read them. Look at one God, one Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. His plan's the deal. Now, here's the new stuff, guys. We got to it a lot earlier than we did last week and the week before. All right. He says, but. How many of y'all love God's butts in the Bible? How many of y'all like the butts in the Bible? So he goes and says, bam, 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 bam. I want unity. I want unity. And it's all because you're going to do it exactly how the Holy Spirit says to do it, how God the Father says to do it, how Jesus the Lord says to do it. But look at this. Grace was given to each one of us. Who's us? Us who have been born again. Each one of us. What'd you say? Yeah, us. Okay. Ashley, I love your simplicity, man. Nothing complicated about that. Us is us, man. <laughs> That's good. You're a mom that has brain damage from diaper fumes and you haven't slept all night, right? We got it. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Go read that even in other translations. Here's what it says. It says, through grace, God has given you a unique gift. Dude, you're weird because that's how God made you. And isn't that cool? You know, you're in the occupation you're in right now because God's got you there. Is God not a big enough God? You said, my occupation is unemployed. Well, dude, figure out what God wants you to do in that occupation right now because it may not last. One day, man, you may be slinging burgers nonstop at McDonald's and wishing you had that. I'm just saying, I don't know what your occupation, where God's got you, what he's got you doing. But whatever it is, it's no accident. You understand that? Whatever stage you're at, whatever... Man, you're up in the middle of the night with babies and you love your babies and man, it's awesome. But you can pray. You ever pray when you're like rocking your baby back to sleep at Rena? You ever pray when you're rocking your baby back? What a great time to pray. Us fathers don't get that opportunity because we sleep right through that crying baby. I'm not right. Oh man, you got a great husband there. I was slacking, man. <laughs> but look at this. But grace was given. It's free. You know what grace is, guys? Listen, we throw that word grace around so often, and it's, we know it's not. Here's grace. The best definition I've ever seen is in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul says it's the desire and ability to do God's will. God gives us the desire. Hey, how did you get saved? God gave you the desire to surrender everything you knew about yourself to everything you knew about him. Did you earn it? Were you, did, did you do anything to get, all right, I gotta, I gotta get, Keone plays these little video games. All right, now I'm at the level where now I can go run through the volcanoes and avoid the lava. Did you have to get to a certain level in God's game before he said, oh, now you're ready for grace? No, you didn't even turn the game on yet. You didn't know anything. God said, grace, you now. How many of y'all remember when all of a sudden it wasn't foolishness anymore? All of a sudden you're thinking, Dude, I want to give my life to God. I'm done being the boss. I'm giving it to God. How many of y'all remember that day? Wasn't it an awesome day? Don't forget that day. Because that day, you got to keep going back to that day because that's the day he changed you. And then you can see how far you've come in that grace. 
It's the desire and ability. And even right now, he's continuing to give you a desire to do the things he wants you to do, right? And if he gives you the desire, he's going to give you the ability. How many of y'all would like him to give you the ability instantly when he gives you the desire? (laughs) How many of y'all a little impatient saying, all right, God, I have the desire, but well, you know what? Either you're not ready for it or it's not ready for you. Because God's timing is perfect. God is perfect. That's why we just, we dig the ride. You heard me say before, man, Jesus said, you're overwhelmed. He was talking about the religious system of the Jews. He said, and the Pharisees, all that, that they set up. The Sadducees didn't even believe in eternal life. He said, man, if you're tired of all that junk, stick your head in my yoke. And that yoke is a piece of wood where two heads of two oxen are supposed to go. And he puts his head in as an oxen. And what are we? A little chihuahua, right? He's an oxen with his head in the, in, in the yoke. And we're a little chihuahua and our feet don't even reach the ground. So Terry, dude, you can go all the way back to Kentucky yapping and but it ain't going where God wants you to go. Dig the ride, bro. Just dig the ride. That's what we're supposed to do. Grace was given to each one of us. Each of you uniquely is the way it's worded in the Greek. It's a unique gift that no one else has. Again, how many of y'all know that you have unique gifts that others don't have? How many of y'all know that? Matthew, do you know you have unique desires and abilities no one else has? You are. You're one of the weirdest dudes I know. You you meticulously clean boats and detail boats. And man, me, I'm just like, I'm glad you gave me the little blaster. You know, but that's not your only gift. The sensitivity, the desire, when God puts something on your heart, you go for it. Again, I'm not picking on him or whatever, but Man, I could go through almost every one of you that I know, the unique gifts that you have. God has uniquely gifted you, and you got to use that. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, and that's immeasurable. You're not going to burn it all out. So check this out. Christ, he gave us unique gifts. Christ's gifts are not toys to play with. And I fear that even in my own ministry in the past, well, we need another sermon series. Well, we need another program. Well, we need some people are going to that church. What can we use to attract them here? What can we do? Oh, hey, let's do spiritual gifts. That always works. Everybody wants another spiritual gift. Everybody wants another purpose in life. Let's do that. And we treated it as toys. Not very often I see people find their spiritual gift and actually you, they were just like, oh, and that's what the Corinthians did. Oh, I got the gift of tongues. Oh, I got the gift of healing. I, they were bragging on. He said, you know what Paul said to them? He said, why don't you try the gift of what? Anybody remember? Come on, Corinthians chapter 13, the what chapter? The love chapter. Hey, I can interpret prophecies. I can give prophecies. I can do blah, 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 blah. He said, why don't you try the love gift? Why don't you try that love gift? Start loving people. And the only way you can love people is if who do you got to love first? God. And you don't love people, dude. You don't love God. I don't care what your theology, I don't care what you say about yourself. And I can prove that spiritually or in scripturally, I can prove it even on myself. When I'm not loving people, I'm a big liar if I say I love God. So he said, man, he said, just try loving people by loving God. And then guess what? As you are serving him, as you are loving him and you're taking one step at a time, doing whatever it is he's calling you to do, guess what happens? He starts putting you in situations and you start now doing things in that situation that you're like, have you ever been in a situation where you look back and you're like, who said that? (laughs) Judy, how about you? You ever been in a situation where it's like, wow, who did that? That was pretty awesome. And who is it that did it? God, he blew you away. Charlie, I know you've been there. You're there and you're like, wow, who did that? And guess what? Now all of a sudden your gifts are starting to be revealed for that point in time, for that situation your uniqueness, that you were the one he put there. What if you were sitting there complaining about your situation and you were complaining about where you're at and complaining about all those, uh, when in reality, he wanted to bless you by using the gift that he was uniquely given you. So Christ's gifts are not toys to play with. And I will say in church world, we have used them as that in the past, but they are tools to build the kingdom with. Look at this next part. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, sometimes what we want to do is want to break the section up and we got to go take it places where it really doesn't need to go. In here, you know what he's going to say in this little section? 
He's not giving us theology about how far deep in hell Jesus went and, and, and how high and all. It, it's not about what he did between the three days. There's other passages where it says where he went and preached to the devils and different things. That's not what he's saying here. All he's saying in this passage and the following ones when he explains, he says, dude, he went down to the rags of humanity. He went deep down into the worst parts of, of earth from the highest parts of heaven. And he reached down and he grabbed people and brought them to heaven. And he's gone back and forth. How, let me ask you a question. How far do you have to go to get you, Chris? Oh, dude, he had to go all the way to Polk County. No, where were you from? Lake County. Oh, not even Polk County, dude. You didn't have Grady, man. I'm just, no, I'm messing with you. Yeah, he had, he had to go all the way down to West Orange County to get me, man. Pine Hills, Crime Hills. Where, how deep did he have to go to get you? That's what it's saying here. So watch this as I, as I go. Just look at it in this context. What he's really talking about is, dude, he left the glory of heaven and put on the rags of humanity to reach down and grab us. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. You know who these captives are? How many of y'all are one of these captives that used to be captive to sin and no longer are a captive of sin anymore? Anybody? Yeah, Barb, that's us. He reached down. He's still doing it today. He led a host of captives and he gave men gifts. He gave you gifts. When he, when he released you, now you're a captive of Christ. You're still a captive. You're a captive of Christ, not a captive of your sin anymore. And he gave the, you gifts. It says, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. Again, it's not talking about going into, you know, whatever. It's talking, dude, going into Pine Hills, west side of Orlando. Talking about going wherever he had to go to find you. Let me ask you a question. When Jesus was born, born where was he born? Yeah, a manger, dude. He's laying, a manger, we think of like, the, manger was a f***ing trough. <laughs> Maybe some fresh hay. Who were the first ones that even got the chance to go worship him and see him? The shepherds who's testimony was not even worth anything in court because they weren't religious people. And, and, and uh, he went to the lowest socioeconomic status, but man, that wasn't necessarily the lowest spiritual status. Actually, when he went to the Pharisees who were the highest so social economic status, they were probably the lowest spiritual status, but they were only about this far apart. Who, which one of them needed Jesus, the Pharisees or the shepherds? They all did. And so we think, oh, here, well, I'm on the social status here. God doesn't have to go down as far to be. No, dude, we're all right here, and God's up here. Between the highest and lowest. I'm even talking about the people who you know are ripping people off, the elites, the elites in this world that consider themselves elites. They're only that we're all right there, and we don't even know what it looks like. But the fact is, he ascended. What does it mean that he also descended to the lower regions of the earth? It meant he dug down deep. Bob, dude, how deep do you have to dig to get you, man? He went to Detroit. Oh, oh my goodness, Detroit. I mean, I don't know where he got saved, but he, he, Gary, the depths of the ocean, man. Oh, if Keone was here, I'd tell him that you were Davy Jones, man. <laughs> you know, he went to the depths of the ocean. Yeah, to get us. And so he descended into lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who has ascended far above all things in heaven. So if he's far above heaven, what is under him? everything. And he ascended far above heaven that he might fill all things. In other words, everything God wants him to do is going to be done if it's not already been done. In fact, he doesn't live in time, so technically it's already been done in all of this. And I think that's quantum physics. I'm not sure. I ain't smart enough for that. Y'all help me out with that. But in this, he gave, so here's what he says in this. All right. So the one who reached down to the depths that now is above heaven, he's still reaching down. Aren't you grateful he's still reaching down to get you? He's reaching down and he's still pulling people up. And here's some gifts that he has given already. All right, this is not a list of gifts that, ooh, which one do I be? You can look at someone and say, oh yeah, that might be me. But what the context is, here's some gifts he's already given. And he said he's already given the apostles. Now in the truest sense of this, the, the gift of the apostle is done. Because if you look in Scripture, there's qualifications. One of the qualifications, according to Scripture, to being an apostle, not a disciple, but an apostle, you had to be an eyewitness of the resurrection. I don't know. <laughs> Y'all don't look that old to me, but there were, there were things in it. So these, these guys, these apostles were the foundation. 
Now, we can call people apostles in another sense and so on. I'm not going to get into all of that. I want you to get the big picture. Is that What he said is he gave us apostles as gifts to get things started. And then he gave prophets. When were the prophets? These not are people that predict the future. These have always been people that God speaks to, and they speak to us on his behalf. And when we didn't have the completed word of God, we needed that. And so again, I don't think there's any new revelation. In fact, you tell me some new revelation you got from God and it's not found the word of God. I don't want to hear it. I'm not listening. There is no new revelation in that. So in this far, all right, well, those gifts over, you're a cessation of your way. I don't know, I don't, I'm just saying those were foundational gifts he gave us. Aren't you glad that the apostles got to start it all off? Aren't you glad that the prophets were, they told us what the old, they interpreted the Old Testament for us. And we didn't have the New Testament now. We wouldn't even know what the Old Testament really saw, showed us in Christ. So now we have evangelists. How many of y'all know somebody who has the gift of sharing the gospel? That's their love. Dude, I got people I know that I cannot go to a 7-Eleven, a convenience store without them. Uh, where are they at? Oh, there they are. They're sharing the gospel. There's, somebody, there's people with gifts of that. But now with their gift, they're supposed to show us that we're supposed to also be doing that. But there are people that, dude, that's their heartbeat. That's their gift. How many of y'all got led to the Lord because somebody shared the gospel with you? Yeah, I bet every one of you did. And and so if other people are going to get led, Lord, we share the gospel. Evangelists is somebody sharing the good news. That's a gift he's given to some, although maybe it's not your gift. You still need to do it. And there's other parts of scripture that tell us, but here he says, aren't you glad? How many of y'all are glad God put an evangelist in your life, shared the gospel, and you got saved? Amen? The shepherds and teachers. That's not two separate things. That's actually one gift. And what a shepherd is, a shepherd is somebody who cares for your soul. Another word for the shepherd is pastor. This is what I am. I am the shepherd teacher. So if I care for your soul and I see you strain and I'm like, dude, don't be doing that. No, you can't go there. I got to teach you what the word does say and what the word doesn't say so that you can get back on track with God's standard because I love you. And God gives some people the gift, that pastor's heart to love people. Man, if you knew me before, that was not my gift, was it, Jeff? (laughs) Maybe you I love, but that was only because you had something to offer me. I don't know. Maybe a ride or something because I had a bike. I'm just joking. I'm just saying. But, but literally, I love you guys. I don't know if you know that or not. I think you do. I love you. I genuinely love you because God's put that in my heart. That's my gift as a pastor, chef, a pastor teacher. Keeps you, set, sees you straying off as a sheep and says no. And then says, here's why, because this is what the word of God says. But look at the purpose of the gifts that he's already given. From the apostles to the prophets, to the pastor teacher, to evangelists. Here's the purpose. Look at this. To equip who? Yeah, so so often we think in the church, oh, God's got a pastor, he does all the work. And we're on this little cruise ship, he's the captain, he just takes us sightseeing wherever we want to go, right? Maybe, or he does all the work and we get the credit because we funded it or whatever. No, my job is to equip who? Everybody say me. (laughs) My job is to equip who? Yes, because who's supposed to do the work? Woo, did you see that? I didn't say that, God said that to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Your job's to do the work. My job's to tell you what the heck to do. I'm just joking. (laughs) But do I not lead by example? You're a coxswain, aren't you? Yeah, I was telling these guys about you. I said, this little man, little girl tells them boys what to do. That's like God telling us what to do. You got to keep rowing, man. Isn't it hard? Don't they sometimes like lose track? Like, oh, look at the birds or whatever. Is it hard being a coxswain, telling them what to do and keeping them on track? Yeah, sometimes it is. Yeah, it can get frustrating. But until you realize, I'm glad I'm the coxswain. I'm not anybody. (laughs) Yeah. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You guys were, and look what he says. Here's the illustration here. You guys are supposed to be doing the work. How's it going, body? How's it going? How much work have y'all been doing? Y'all doing it? I know you guys and you have. That's why I'm such a blessed pastor to have the privilege of pastor in this church because that's why we start the service off by everybody saying, this is what God's been doing in my life because you've been doing the work of the ministry. Isn't that awesome? That's what's supposed to happen. 
to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Here's the illustration he uses. Look at this. For building up the body of Christ. So he starts into this illustration and he says, and we're not going to go too far into it. He says, he said, Christ is the head and, 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 and we're all part of the body. What part of your body do you want working, bro? Is there any part you'd say, yeah, that ain't important. How about a little, something as little as a colon? How many of y'all are like, who cares about the colon, right? You don't need that thing, right? And we still haven't really figured out what an appendix is for, right? One day we're going to pay for that. God's going to say, he's going to say, that's why I gave you that thing. You're like, oh, no wonder we got so messed up. Y'all getting your gallbladders taken out too. That's got a purpose. I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah, we got to go. I don't need that. Doctor says, yeah, something's wrong with you. We don't know what it is. Let's just take your gallbladder out and see if that fixes it. I'm just, again, what part of your body's not important? Every stinking piece is. In the church, Christ is the head. What part of the body? How many of y'all are in the body of Christ? Which one of you is not important? Which one of you doesn't need to use your special gift? Man, if I cut my big toe off, what couldn't I do? If I had took both my big toes off, what would happen? Somebody help me out. You guys did homeschool. You homeschool scientists. Tell me what happens. Do I need my big toes? Oh, you know about prehensile tails. You just don't know about toes, right? Dude, I understand if I don't have my big toes, I can't even really balance, right? They're, they're for a purpose, every part. And you got to see yourself as that. You matter to the kingdom. Man, how many of y'all ever, like Keone, man, sometimes like, oh, my ear hurts. And I said, let me stomp on your foot. <laughs> You're like, why you won't stomp on my foot? I said, because then your ear won't hurt. You'll be thinking about your foot. Kind of like my arthritis. How many of y'all got new things that hurt? And you, dude, my knees don't hurt nearly as bad as arthritis kicked into my shoulder. But what I'm saying, folks, is this, man, you now, I don't want to pick on you in church, but you are so important to the kingdom. And it's not just as just being there more than a pretty face, which you are, but man, you've got a gift. Every one of you has a gift and you're supposed to be developing that gift for the kingdom. But if you don't see yourself as important as God sees you in the body, then you get distracted and misplaced and and amputated sometimes. Lizard tail, throw back. I'm just saying. (laughs) Dude, I'm just saying, you guys are crucial to the kingdom. Every single one of you. Is the world telling us this? No, they're saying, nope, you got to conform. Your uniqueness is not tolerated. You can't do, you know. Uh, No, that's why you got to be in the Word of God to know who you are and what you're unique and understand where God's got you right now. And there's no better place that the master could put the lampstand than where he's got it right now for you. This occupation you have right now is not your life. Your life is Christ. Paul said to live is, to die is better. (laughs) Yeah, your life is Christ. It's not about your occupation. It's not about your address. It's not about all those extra. It's about Christ. He just happens to let you be there. And I am so stoked that he has got me in a season where I get to use my unique gifts on a boat. Some of you are like, yeah, rub it in, man. I'm like, it wasn't always that way. I didn't want the boat when I got it. But I don't know how pastors can pastor without a boat or paddle boards or any of that because that's my gift. Some of you are like, I don't want anywhere near that water. But that's why you're not me and I am. I love what God's got me doing and I know that it's only a season. So look, it's to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We're supposed to be using our gifts to build this entire body of Christ. That means bringing more people on board and encouraging the people who are already there. It's not about a pity party or what we don't have and the sorry position we do have. And I'm going to get serious when I get this next position or get to do this next thing. And no, right now, you're going to give an account to God for right now because there's no better place for you to be. You don't know how it ends up. So look, he says, until we all attain the unity of the faith, that's unity of the spirit, the unity of the faith we talked about before and the knowledge of the Son of God to, what's the next word? Mature. Mature. To manhood. It's just, that's just man in general. That's you two women, all right? Um, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So one day we're going to be like Christ, but we're on that road and everything he's got us in, everything he's got us doing is leading us to that. How are you doing on progress? I like to say progress is direction, not speed. If you're in the cul-de-sac, get out of the cul-de-sac and get back on the highway for Christ. Look at that. Here's one of the other reasons. He says, so that we may no longer be children. Children, how easy to deceive a child. They, they're sucking up, fall for anything. How, he said, so you'll no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. You know what's the worst thing for the church? When you hear something about a new doctrine, <laughs> oh, here's a new doctrine, man. If you do this, you got this. This is a part of God that's never been revealed. That's how Jehovah Witness and Mormons got started for your information if you want to look at it. And you're going to see more and more and more of it as it comes closer to Christ coming back. We got to know what the Word of God says. We got to stand by it. He said, you know this stuff. You got pastors, teachers, you got evangelists in your life. You have the foundation from the apostles and, and, and the prophets to tell you this is what's right so that you won't be tossed to and fro by new doctrine. Somebody come to you and say, oh, you're not really supposed to be eating that. And you're not really supposed to be worshiping on this day. And you're not supposed to be. You're like, no, I know what the truth says. Right, Ann? You know what the truth says. So you're not going to bed, well, are they right or are they wrong? Or No, I know what the truth says. And you start praying for them. That their doctrine would get right with the word of God. And you love them so that they can see that in your life. And he says, look at this, carried away by every wind of doctrine. Look, by human cunning. Boy, I'm just thinking, hey, Chris, Delabarara. <laughs> you are in the prison system, right? Jail, yeah. Oh, sorry, jail. I don't know semantics real good, but would you say the world, the human cunning is getting, is getting more cunning or less cunning? Yeah, more. How many of y'all would agree that humans are getting more cunning? <laughs> yeah. Dude, now we got like internet. Now we can reach the whole world with our cunningness. I'm just saying. It's like, yeah, by human cunning. So it's getting easier to get deceived by craftiness in deceitful schemes. How many of y'all have seen craftiness in deceitful schemes on the news? <laughs> yeah. How many of y'all seen in your own life? It's there, dude. So you don't get sucked in by that. You gotta know what the word of God is. And so God has given you a gift of a pastor teacher. He's given you the gift of an evangelist. He gave you the gift of the apostles and the prophets. And you've got to take advantage and know what we're being taught through that. And so he says, rather, and we're, we're almost done here. He says, rather speaking the truth in love. This is what we're talking about on the boat. My buddy Dan over here, Dan, raise your hand. Dan was like, you know, I think us Christians, we've kind of lost our guts. He didn't actually use that body part, but I'm just saying, he's like, we kind of lost our ability to really stand up and speak. We're afraid of the cancel culture. We're afraid of being, you know, it's God's truth. It's God's truth. And, and it's not a matter of beating people over the head with the Bible. Look what he says. We're speaking the truth in what? And you can't speak the truth in love unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Love's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You got to have both. The only one who could do truth and love together perfectly was Christ. How many of y'all are truth people? truth. Come on, let me see. Half of y'all got to be. Half y'all are truth people. You got no love in you, man. I'm just saying, no, you know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all are truth? Do you know? All right. So how many of y'all are love people? Let me see that. Okay. I'm a love person. Yeah. I know that make it fun of you, but chances are in your marriage, want to use love, want to use truth. Oh, come on. He didn't really mean to, to break his brother's arm. It's okay. You know, well, uh, he didn't really mean to like scratch your car. Well, he did. You know, I'm just, you know, we have truth and love and, 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 and one, we're usually good at one or the other. That's why we need each other, especially in the body to bring a balance in this, right? We need that balance. That's why we need each other. But what happens is, well, I'm a truth person, so I ain't got to love nobody. <laughs> Terry on the road, driving with snowbirds on US-1. Doesn't even matter what island anymore. Are you a truth or love person? <laughs> Other times at Bible study when he's in his lounge chair, dude, he's a love person, man. 
before he turns into a pumpkin. He's a love person, man. But turn him out there, dude, he's a truth person. So you see it switches, right? And, and all that. We, we've got to have balance. We have, as we become more like Christ, we become both truth and love people together. We become more like Christ. Because if we're going to speak the truth, it's got to be done in love. People don't care how much you say or how much you know till you, they know how much you care. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We become more and more. He's the head. How many of y'all want your body to do what your head wants it to do? Man, how many of y'all are having problems with that these days? <laughs> yeah, as you get older, you're like, man, I want to get up without grunting. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Dang, I didn't mean to trip right there. Ashley was making fun of me. When it got down below like 60 degrees and it's howling 80,000 miles an hour out of the north in St. Augustine, and it was National Geographic, Geographic Explorer on top of the fort. She didn't understand arthritis. She says, oh, you just tripped. And I'm like, it's because I can't. My knees don't bend in that weather. I can't climb stairs. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where I was going with that. But anyways, my body wouldn't do what my head wanted it to do. I wanted to sprint up those stairs. Hey, why do you think they made the stairs on the Ford extra long? So you can run down them. And I was thinking, dude, 40 years ago, dude, I got to sprint it up and down. Today, I am lucky if I don't fall. <laughs> My body, but that's what we become. We, we become more mature, so our body does what the head wants. Our whole life, can you imagine if you're trying to do something, and all of a sudden your left arm's like, no, I just want to fly. <laughs> you're like, no, we got to do something. You're like, <laughs> that's. I wonder if that's the kind of Christian we are sometimes. Man, we got to be so tuned into the head. That's our whole desire. We're the body. We fun I mean, that's a disorder in our human body, right? But praise God, the head has mercy on us. So we grow to grow up in every way, every way. In er, hey, Ashley, what does every mean? Every. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> See, if I want to hear God, I'll ask Gavin. I'll just ask him a question like, God. <laughs> God. All right. Or Steve. <laughs> Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, there, there's, here's the ligaments and all that. How many of y'all ever torn a ligament? Dude, I got, man, I was playing football. I used to be fast because I wasn't big, so I was fast. And that worked out. Man, one day this dude named Gerbil grabbed my ankle. Yeah, that, he was a big dude. I don't even know why. You remember Gerbil? They called him Gerbil. I'm going off tackle, man. I'm running. They grab my ankle. Another dude comes in with a helmet right there. Crushed my, my ligament right there. And, and I went to get up. And, Whoa! You can't. They, they had to drill a hole. And This is old school surgery, man. They drilled a hole, stretched the ligament, tied it on the other side. This was back in 1976, right? You know, like, dude, they had surgery? Yeah, and they used a stone to cut it with and everything. It was awesome. But... Without that ligament, you get up and you're like, I'm like, I'm ready for the next play. And it was like, my head was ready, but my body wasn't. Look at what he says. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working, what? Properly. Who's a part? How many of y'all are a part of this body? How important is it for me that you work properly, Terry? And Terry? And Terry? I'm just... Yeah. How important is it for you guys to be spiritually working properly? Who's affected if you aren't? Every one of us is. Man, if each part is working properly, it makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Man, how many of y'all have ever seen? I'm thinking of a wide receiver, dude. I'm just thinking this wide receiver flying down the field. I don't even really like football no more, but I, I, this illustration God keeps giving me, man. This wide receiver, first of all, he's got to outrun the defender. He's wide open, man. And what has to work for him to catch this immaculate reception? <laughs> what, what has to happen, man? Is, do, do, is it just his legs that have to run? No, man, his whole body, his hands, his eyes. What if all of a sudden he closed his eyes? <laughs> One little piece, hey, football coach, what would happen if he closed his eyes? 
It might be lucky, but it's not skill. You need every part of your body to make that catch. Remember last week when I messed up the love boat and uh, what was the other one? Fantasy Island. Yeah, so the Immaculate Reception. Was that Franco Harris or Lynn Swan? Help me out. Franco Harris, right? It wasn't Lynn Swan. But I just remember Lynn Swan just laying out making beautiful catches, man. And, and in order to be, a, you ever see an athlete, a, a pro skater, a pro sir, any, anything, dude, their whole body. That's why we watch. We're like, oh my goodness, that is phenomenal. How many of y'all used to be able to watch that and say, yeah, I could probably do that. How many of y'all watch and say, yeah, there's no way. <laughs> now we've gotten to that part. But that's what he's saying. When each of you are falling in love with Christ, and your whole function is when life is Christ and death is gain, when all that matters is Christ, we are a body that is unstoppable, a body that is functioning in perfect unity, man, in love. And, and just as we love to watch a star athlete do phenomenal things that no one else can do, the world would love to see us do that. But it means each one of you, starting with me, has to submit to the head and say, what does the head want me to do? And we got to do it. And that's the plan for the church. Christ's gifts are not toys to play with. They're tools to build with. And Christ has given each of us a very unique gift. You are, be, if, are you being you by using the unique gift God has for you? Bob, are you being you? Hey, Gene, is Bob being Bob? Yeah, yeah. Alex, Alex, are you being Alex? Yeah, using the unique gift God's given you. And again, just like I shared at the beginning, if you're not being you, then who, who are you being? Are you trying to be somebody else? Are you trying to be somebody the world shows you you're supposed to be? Man, and, and you know what? The world, they're focusing on the outside, aren't they? Mostly body types, body shapes, make whatever. Yeah, again, it starts on the insider. If you're not being you, then who are you being? How, who are you being if you're not being yourself? Somebody else, and are you going to be as good at being someone else as you'd be at being you? Dude, it, uh, you guys know from small group, you've known her. How long have you known her now? Since she was, how long have you? I mean, they've known you a long time. Is there another Selma? There's no other. Hey, mom, is there, ever, is there another Selma in this universe? And there's, no, there's not another Sophie, there's not another Jules, and there's not another Fernanda. <laughs> I love you, Fernanda, there's, because of who you are. And there's definitely not another Terry, that outfit, bro. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Some of y'all are going to try next week, right? You're taking pictures, your wife's going to buy you and say, all right, yeah, no, you can't. Are you, being, are, are you as good at being someone else as you are at you would be at being yourself? No. And if you are not interested in being you, do you think anybody else wants to be you? If you're busy trying to be somebody else, is somebody saying, wow, I want to be like them? No. If you're not being you, then who is being you? Is it even important? Steve, is it important that you be yourself? If, if you're not being you, no one's being you. And, and does the world need you, bro? Does the world need a Steve? Oh, my God. After all I just preached from the Word of God, does, does the world need a Steve? On the count of three, everybody help them out with the word absolutely. One, two, three. We need you, Steve. <laughs> you are the ligament that holds my bones together. There's a Valentine card for you. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Man. Is it even necessary that someone's being you? Absolutely. If you were not necessary, God would not have made you. You want to talk about self-esteem? Do you understand the one that knows everything, that's everywhere, that can do anything? He knows you are necessary. Go tell yourself that by reading the Word of God and seeing that. You are necessary. So quit ripping the world off and be who God created you to be by using the unique gift that Christ has given you. Amen? And if you're not a believer, you don't even have a clue about this gift. You don't even know you're going to heaven when you die. You're not sure about this whole relationship. If God is giving you a desire to surrender everything you know about yourself right now to everything you know about him, 
man, go for it. Go for it. Just do it. You're like, well, I don't know. No, you know enough. You know everything God wants you to know. If he's giving you a desire to say, just give me your life. You know enough. Just do it. That's all we've done. And that's all, after being saved since 1980, that's all I'm doing every day. I don't know what's next. I don't need to because when I, I don't know what's next, I don't mess it up. I follow his steps. So if you're in that position where you don't know Christ and you have a desire to give him everything, how many of y'all would say it's worth it to give him everything? Amen. Amen. So man, you got to be who God created you to be, but you can't be that until you give him your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Father, thank you so much for giving us this passage of Scripture in Ephesians. We have a world that wants to tear us down and, and, and uniformly make, just make us all like conform to, to their image and really just rip us off of the uniqueness that you've given us. So, Father, I pray that you would take this passage and you would speak to each heart. Father, they wouldn't hear Pastor Eddie that what they'd hear is you speaking to their heart, Father, letting them know just the fact that they were picked by you. They were paid by God picked them. You paid for them, Christ, and you, the Holy Spirit, are preserving them. Father, help them understand how what a privilege that is. What an awesome thing that is and how special that makes them and how necessary each person is to the body of Christ. But Father, again, if there's someone that doesn't know they're in the body of Christ, man, I pray today would be the day that they would know without a shadow of doubt that they would just simply out of faith give their life to you and you would speak to their heart and they would know what's going on. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.